were listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 145 and 146 of Read Through the Bible in a Year. Mm-hmm. We are continuing to go through the Bible in the spirit of the oral tradition. That is, we just want to talk about it. Yeah. And so uh, if you've been with us and you're this far... We want to always uh, encourage you and congratulate you. And the one thing I always remember while going through this is it's just like it literally is like <laughs> collecting manna for the day. Like we yeah. read these things and it feeds our hearts, our minds. It gives us courage and strength to engage the word of God. But a lot of times I, you know, I, I can't remember every detail that we're talking about. <laughs> and so it's like manna in that you just can't store it up and have all the answers and be done. It's like this ongoing relationship with eating the word, you know, and yes. being sustained. And it's and somehow God, like he does, is slowly growing us and, and making us into the people that he's known we've always been, people of faith and people of uh, the power of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So right. welcome. want to welcome everybody. And uh, where are we today, Matt? Our Old Testament reading for today is 1 Samuel chapter 16 through 18. Sweet Saul. Yes. Sweet Saul has broken Samuel's heart mm-hmm. another time in a very big way. That's what we read yesterday. And the right. Lord has a f- officially rejected Saul as king and has made it very clear that he is now going to be searching for a man after his own heart. And interestingly, Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, yeah. but grieved over Saul. Now, I think most of us well-meaning Christians would say, come on, Samuel, reconcile with Saul. Hmm. Come on, God's about reconciliation. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, for most of us normal people, it's a good goal. Yeah. But there are times when someone's heart has turned against God. And uh, remember, reconciliation requires death. Yeah. God reconciles to us by the death of his son. And so Samuel can't die to the word of God. Uh, it would require Saul dying to himself mm-hmm. and submitting to God for there to be true reconciliation. So Samuel is grieving to the point where, and I don't, it doesn't say how long, but I know, right. you know, with the way time goes and the way their culture is set up, it's been a long time. And God talks to Samuel and says, how long will you grieve over this relationship? Right. I, it is very interesting to hear God kind of be like, all right, I think it's time to be done yeah. about being sorry for this relationship. There is a limit to healthy grief. Mm-hmm. Like if the grief is going beyond months or years, and who knows, it's time to go to the Lord and, and the Lord will say, all right, fill up your horn with oil and let's go out and find the next guy. Yeah. I have someone in mind. Fill up your horn with oil and go. I like that. Yeah, um, so he tells him to go to Judah and into Bethlehem and find... Uh, the house of Jesse, and that one of the sons of Jesse are going to be the new king of Israel. And Samuel has a very uh, pertinent question of, okay, if I go do this, though, and Saul finds out, he will definitely kill me and the house of Jesse. Uh, Which, again, encourages me that uh, in working through grief and working through all these spiritual things, there's a lot of fear that enters even into someone like Samuel, who hacked a part of king. Yeah. He's a strong d- dude. He's seen a lot, but he's still like, I'm scared of this guy. 
Yeah, I, I don't even know if it's fear or if it's just like a practical like concern. Practical. Like, right. I okay, so if I do this, everything I do is very public. Everyone knows where I'm going. Everyone yeah. makes a big deal about it. And if I go, like, what? How are we going to protect this family? How are we going to protect? Like, what's going to happen here? Right. And the Lord says, "Hey," and like, all right, just go and act like you're doing a sacrifice. Well, Samuel does exactly what Saul couldn't, which is he moves without knowing all the details. Mm-hmm. Like, just go into this and trust me. Yeah. And so Samuel is able to do that by the help of the Spirit of God being with him and his faith. And so he does move in and say, all right, God, you've said you're going to be with me, you're going to do this. And all we need to know in life is when we're scared about moving into things or, or moving on, it's like, at least for me at this point in my life, the question is, God, will you be with us? Yeah. And the answer is yes, I'm with you in that. Then you go. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, and he thinks he knows who's going to be the next king, right? Was, yeah, so this is so great. Like, he goes to Jesse's house, and he ends up with a parade of seven sons. Mm-hmm. And the first son comes out, and Samuel's instantly like, oh, man. He this, looks like it. This guy could be the next Saul. Yeah. And so it's it's good to, though, like, to recognize, like, this is how Samuel's still operating. Like, he's still... Like broken us. over Saul, and he wanted Saul to work out, and so he sees, uh, I think it's Eliab, was the first one, and he's tall, he's strong, Dude. he's handsome, and he's like, this is it, perfect. All right, a moment of honesty. Yeah. This happens in ministry, too, where you, or it happens to all of us, we think, this next job, this is the job I want, this mm-hmm. is the person I want to marry, or for me, it's like, oh, this person is going to be a bulwark in my church. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, God's like, well, I know they look like that, and they got their own issues, and no, they're not the ones. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but they, it looks so good, and we get yeah. disappointed. And so this happens seven times. Where yeah. finally God says to Samuel, I look on the heart. you yeah. got to stop. We did the outward appearance thing, and that's why we're in this place. <clears throat> mm-hmm. it, it didn't work. The people wanted a strong-looking warrior, but we look on the heart. It's a great line there. Do not look on his appearance or on the heart or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Yes. Good words to live by. Um, that's, just, that's just how the Lord does it, which is very comforting to me, because when I look at myself... Uh, or others, sometimes you're like, I don't, I don't, I shouldn't be where I am. But yes. the Lord looks on our hearts, and our hearts have been captured by Christ, and so we trust the Lord. Oh, and so my point was, you know, there were at least seven people before you, Matt, that I would have ever imagined doing ministry with <laughs> to this level and to this j- amount of joy. And I feel like um, <clears throat> you're the little, uh, the, the eighth son working as a shepherd boy. You're young. And yeah. Samuel says, is there anyone else? Because none of your seven boys here are the one. And then they reluctantly say, well, we have one like little useless runt out there who does all of our, our bidding. Our menial labor. And so as soon as little David comes in, he's described as a ruddy complexion with bright eyes, which uh, in the Bible language typically means good looking, mm-hmm. but little and small and... Um, yeah, and the Lord is like, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. He's the one. And <clears throat> again, we get the idea of the Spirit of the Lord rushing 
mm-hmm. onto David, very much like he rushed into uh, Samson and yeah, like this the judges. very just yeah. all the judges. He rushes upon and it. But what's cool is he says the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Yeah. And that same word, rushed, it's like this breath, this wind. Mm -hmm. It's at creation. The ruach is the Hebrew word, the pneuma. It rushes upon the disciples at Pentecost. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same spirit of God that's anointing people for a purpose and with power and with God's presence. So this happens to sweet little David, kind of privately, in a small group of people, right? But it's very similar to... um the way they anoint, he anointed Saul, right. he anointed Saul privately first as well. And <clears throat> and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Saul, and he prophesied and all that. But now, the Spirit of the Lord, because we're before Jesus, so the Spirit of the Lord only rushes upon select few people. It's not everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it departs from Saul. And this right. is what we get in the late latter part of 16. It actually leaves Saul to go to David. Yeah, and so here's what we were thinking about. Mm-hmm. It leaves Saul, and instead Saul gets a deceiving, tormenting spirit. Yes. And so the Holy Spirit, at this time in the Old Testament, and what we're thinking is uh, the work of Christ releases the Spirit to everyone. Like, he actually opens it up in abundance to the whole earth. Yeah. Before that, the Spirit of God is very personal. Holy Spirit is very personal, and God will assign the Holy Spirit and give his presence to specific people. Yeah. It's not open to everyone. Limited quali- it's more qualities. limited, right. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, Saul loses it. Mm-hmm. David gets it. But I think it's like the old Indiana Jones where he puts the um, sandbag in place of the idol, you know, and mm-hmm. he tries, it's the same weight. And only in Indiana Jones, the, the Temple of Doom knows it and mm-hmm. sets off all the traps. Yes. Well, in Saul's heart, he doesn't notice it. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's like, God takes a spirit and then allows another spirit to go in there. Mm-hmm. And Saul doesn't know the difference because he's so spiritually dead yeah. that he's like, doesn't get it. And mm-hmm. that's what the rest of this chapter, uh, well, the, the following chapters, he slowly starts to say, hey, what is the deal? Mm-hmm. The spirit of God doesn't quite feel the same or he can just, actually he doesn't mm-hmm. even deal with the spirit of God. He just looks at all the outward things. He's not looking at the heart of God or his own heart. He's looking at the outward events that are about to happen. Mm-hmm. And so in 16, though, we were talking, too, about the timeline is different from our view of history and how we do everything in, like, a linear way. Yeah. So in the end of 16, we think this actually happens after David and Goliath. Yes. Where Saul now is dealing with this tormenting spirit and says, I need someone to play skillfully for me. Well, he doesn't even say it. But this is so interesting. Like, So he's being tormented by this harmful spirit, but his servants are the ones who are like, and this is every, oh, in yeah. every situation right. about spirituality, it's always someone else chiming in and saying, Saul, we should probably have someone. Yeah, here's how things work spiritual authority. Look at this. This is bad. Because you're such like an <clears throat> alien <laughs> to the spiritual stuff. And so this is where we think this probably happened after Goliath. Yeah. and But it's in chapter 16 because it's like, showing the difference, the juxtaposition between David and Saul now, that the spirit has left Saul and is in David. And so now David, ironically, is now brought in to play in front of Saul to uh, exercise, to 
force out the evil spirit because the evil spirit can't be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so there is a moment where um, I think because Saul was still so close to his time with the Spirit of the Lord, David comes in, let David remain in my service for he has found favor in my sight. Mm -hmm. And so whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played uh, played music, and it refreshed him as well, and the harmful spirit departed. I think it's because the spirit of God then was in the room, yep. and the harmful spirit couldn't be in the same place without like like a vampire or mm-hmm. something burning, like, Ugh, and got out of there. And it, there is something about uh, the Holy Spirit using music oh, yeah. to uh, increase its presence, to minister to other people, to drive out evil spirits. Like This is a theme that we'll see throughout uh, the Old Testament as we read. Yeah. And so it's, I was also thinking about like church, like you come into church, mm-hmm. the spirit of God is there, music is being played. Yeah. And for many, it probably drives out the tormented spirits and hopefully leads people into mm-hmm. repentance and faith where they can feel assured and refreshed. But um, so that's how chapter 16 ends. So it looks like David is known as a warrior. He comes in with his skill. And, and remember, Saul likes to have people around him who are valiant warriors mm-hmm. And then I think we get the back, like the backstory is <clears throat> to David. How he, to how anyone even knew about David. Right. So Samuel puts the spirit of God on David. And then um, while David's tending to the sheep, yes, you have Saul in another uh, helpless situation with the Philistines. Yeah, another helpless showdown, very he, much like the one with Jonathan. Yeah, they're all hiding again. Mm-hmm. And this time it's the Philistines send out their one giant warrior. Yeah. That are like, if anyone can defeat me, and you know, Goliath is when you when you do all the cubits and stuff like that, he's about nine feet tall. I forget how heavy his sword is. It's like ridiculous like this tip of the spear. Like ridiculous. Yeah, it's just it's a ridiculous nine feet tall and uh, oh, 125 arm- pounds. Yeah, 125 pounds. Come on. His armor alone and like the tip of his spear is like 15 pounds. <clears throat> it's like a huge 20-pound kettlebell at the end of his spear. <laughs> his 10-foot spear or whatever it was. And um and so everybody is scared. And little David then is sent to check on his brothers to take some food. Mm-hmm. And his, his time, though, is funny. I just, the words jump out to me um, like baggage. So he goes, David goes to where the, the oh. baggage keeper is yeah. to check in, basically. Mm-hmm. And from there, he hears, it's the time, the, the bell rings, and Goliath comes out and does his daily mocking yeah. and challenge. And everyone runs and hides. Right. Because and they don't want to be assumed as the champion of Israel. So all of the, <laughs> the normal sounds of the camp are quiet. Mm-hmm. David shows up, he's like, what's going on? Yeah. And then he hears, oh, oh, Israel. And you know, Goliath is challenging them, challenging their God, basically saying, mm-hmm. you guys are weak, and, and then making the deal. If you beat us, we'll be your slaves. If we be, if I beat you, you'll be ours. Yes. And that's where little David doesn't hang out in the baggage like no. Saul. No. no one goes to the baggage and says, "Come out." Instead, David goes, "What?" and and goes right into it to his brother, mm-hmm. and is, and starts saying things like, "Why are we allowing this guy to challenge our God?" Yeah. And then what? What's the deal? And then he starts hearing like, "Oh, Saul is going to give his daughter to the man who defeats this guy." And, and David's like going around and making sure like, this is the deal. Like no one's taking this up. Like what, what are we doing here? Why are we all hiding? You guys are all big warriors. I mean, I'm small. Aren't we, isn't the Lord for us? Like, isn't our God with us? And so his brother who's 
hiding. I think this is Eliab, actually, the one who Samuel first thought, like, oh, this, this is, guy could be yeah. king. Eliab gets, like, real indignant and angry. And he's like, what are you even doing here anyways, David? Who said you could come out here? Like, who's watching the sheep? Yeah. Why are you out here? And he's, like, all angry and flustered. And David's like, what? What what have I done now? He's like almost like a little bit sarcastic. He is. He's like, I don't understand. I've come out to, <clears throat> yeah, whatever. You guys are the ones hiding. Mm-hmm. And so he has this confidence that God will protect, protect him as he always has. Yeah. And so now Saul is hearing like, hey, some, some kid is talking about uh, fighting Goliath and saying like, uh, Lord's with me. And Saul's like desperate at this point. To, to do something. To do something. Because that's what we demand mm-hmm. of our leaders. Mm-hmm. you got to do something. And so he's like, whatever, bring this kid in front of me. I'll sacrifice this kid. I don't care. Yeah. And so he goes in front of Saul. He basically says, like, I don't see how this is going to be any different from when I'm protecting my flock. Like, the Lord has protected mm-hmm. me there. I've killed bears and lions with my bare hands. I can kill this Philistine. He's, like, really, he's, he's an uncircumcised pagan. Like, why are we... But this, scared of him. And this is where the whole story has been. People <clears throat> of faith see the eternal realities. Mm-hmm. People with no faith can only see the, the physical... The immediate situation. Yeah, and limitations. Like, they have 36,000, we have 600. You are a boy, he's a nine-foot giant. Mm-hmm. And, but the people of faith say, oh, God's with us. Then it doesn't we, matter. The only way we're going to find real peace in life and happiness is to go where God says mm-hmm. to go. And God's saying... Drive these Philistines out. Let's go. And so in that way, David is a type of Christ, mm-hmm. though he looks weak and born in a manger, is uh, filled with the Spirit to accomplish the greatest victory. So one of the things that I've, I never really caught, because Saul then is like, okay. <clears throat> Here's and he how tries, I would fight. He tries to put David in his armor, yeah. which I never caught the significance of this, but it's totally a Saul move. Yes. Because you're wearing the king's armor, so if you defeat someone in the king's armor, it's as if the king defeated him. Oh, nice. And so um, in, in those days, they had this idea that the spirit of the warrior oh, yeah. was inside the armor, and if you wore that person's armor, you, it was really the owner who defeated him. Oh, so so he's, he's going to send David out in his armor, so if David wins, it's a victory for Saul. Right. But David is, like, moving around. It doesn't fit him. And he's like, I can't wear this. But before you go on, the, <clears throat> I'm just thinking of how, like, even Peter is trying to say, Jesus, I'll never let you die. Mm-hmm. Jesus, you can't do it this way. Yeah. you got to do it this way. Yes. Here's the armor. And that's what we're trying to figure it out. And Jesus says, get behind me, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Because you're not thinking. You're thinking of things of man, not the things of God. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what's happening here. But David is so great. And anybody of faith, you have these moments where it's like, I can't wear that armor. That worked for you, but the Lord has given me these talents, this ability, and I have to do it trusting him. Mm -hmm. And so David wears his own vulnerability. Yes. He doesn't put on the armor. He doesn't. He says, I can't. This makes no sense. I'm not going out armored in the spirit of Saul. I'm going out armored in the spirit of the Lord. Boom. That'll preach. (laughs) That's great. And that's how, that's what this is about. This is not just about going to conquer your giants. It's about going out in the name of Christ Mm -hmm. and the spirit of Christ, which looks like weakness, but is more powerful. And not in the spirit of your king. Yes. Uh, So he goes out. uh, Five smooth stones. And you know the whole thing where Goliath 
mocks him and is like, huh, what am I, a dog? Like, yeah, he came yeah. out with me with a boy and a stick. Uh, and David is just like, yeah, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna defeat you in the name of the Lord. And uh, he's like, he, he gets really uh, graphic. He's like, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Yeah. I love that. And then that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give me into your hand. And he, they run at each other. David slings his stone, one stone, takes Goliath down, and then he uses Goliath's sword. Well, David runs. This is <clears> how, <throat> if I don't get in fights, but I always like to imagine, if I ever get in a fight, or you're about to, you just run at the guy. <laughs> Just do it. You make a you make a decision like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is on. If you sit yeah. there and uh-huh, you just got to go for it. Mm-hmm. And so he runs to the line. Yeah. And as he goes to the line, the battle line to meet the Philistine, he just put in his hand, grabbed a stone, whoop, did the thing he's an expert at. He's put 10,000 hours into mm-hmm. slinging this at bears and lions. And mm-hmm. he's like, what, what are you? You're not any different. Right. You're just a giant bear. Yeah. Whoop, gets him right in the forehead. Falls down, takes his giant sword, cuts it off. Yeah, his giant sword. That's it, it's pretty <clears throat> great. And uh, yeah, so he uses Goliath's own sword to cut off his head, and then he like puts it. What's he like? He just carries it around with him. Takes the head of Goliath. Yeah, yeah it's he like just carries satchel. it around, and then the, all the Philistine army flees before <laughs> the army of Israel, and Israel goes and uh, plunders their camp and takes them, and he brings the head of the Philistine. And so this is interesting. This is an interesting little note that I've always overlooked and never really thought too much about. But it says, David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the armor in his tent. So, one, David has (laughs) Goliath's armor. Two, he takes the head to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, at this point, is not part of Israel yet. Right. The Jebusites are still in Jerusalem and still maintain control over Jerusalem. So by him bringing the head of the, of Goliath to Jerusalem is a a sign of, hey, this is what we do to the enemies of, of Israel. Right. And you're next. I'm going to take this city one day. <clears throat> Very he, cool. He anticipates Christ's victory, and it's not even by strength, but by faith. Mm-hmm. And so now Saul is all of a sudden like, uh, who is this guy? We need to figure out who this kid is yeah. and where oh. he comes from. Is he a threat to my line? And so, yeah, <clears> it does. It, and it ends with, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's promised a daughter, so this guy's going to be in his line. Yeah. If that works out. Again, I think Saul is regretting some of his vows. Like Saul uh, just is like in the moment reacting, not thinking about yeah. any consequences ever. Which is what you do when you're in your Freaked own strength. out and desperate. And that's all you can do. And it, so it's worked out. But now he's going like, oh, wait, uh, what did I say? So now we jump to 18. Well, guess who falls in love with David? Yeah, Jonathan. Jonathan, because he's like, dude, you did the thing I did. Yeah. You just trusted the Lord, and we defeated the Philistines. I love it, man. You're just like me. Like, yeah. I was dude, trying to I- tell my dad this whole time that, like, hey, remember that time where me and my armor bearer put a whole, uh, what was it, like 200 and This is what happens, though, with the people of faith, and mm-hmm. even, like, in church, like, you meet people with the same faith and you're like, I have more in common with you. Like we're more like brothers than my own physical brothers, mm-hmm. you know? And like I have 
we have families that maybe don't believe or whatever, and you're like, man, I am with you. So they make a covenant to be friends forever. Like yeah. this is the original be- best friends forever. Best friends forever necklace <laughs> is exchanged here. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it goes down though in the ancient times is he gives Jonathan gives him the the robe that was on him. Yeah. So I do think of Christ saying, "You guys are friends now." Mm-hmm. Where Christ gives us his robes of righteousness, gives us his standing. And Jonathan is like, man, um, I'm with you. Like, yeah. Jonathan recognizes what Saul doesn't. You're, the Spirit of the Lord is with you, and you're the next guy. Yeah. Which is huge for a son of a king to say, because historically the sons are always, well, Abimelech, right? Yeah. They're killing all the other threats to their inheritance as mm-hmm. king. They're the next in line, so they want to secure that. But here you have Jonathan, who also is a man after God's own heart, mm-hmm. but recognizes, I'm not anointed to be the king. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I recognize the anointing in you, and I'm with you, David. And they become, like, soul brothers. And you kind of see, too, like, uh, remnants of the old story of Judah and Benjamin playing out again, where uh, in Egypt, when Joseph, like, arrests Benjamin and is like, I'm going to keep Benjamin, Judah stands up for Benjamin and defends him. And so you have uh, a boy from the house of Judah defend the house of Benjamin before the Philistines and save them. And so Benjamin then is like, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's restoring them. That's pretty cool. So you kind of see this restoration of like brotherly love being restored. If it's not enough for Saul to be kind of humiliated again, one person does what he can't do with his whole army, it gets worse. Um, well, because now you have his kids are all falling in love with this guy, David. Yeah. But then he goes back, they go back and the women come out to sing and dance. They celebrate after a victory Mm -hmm. and they're saying Saul has struck down his thousands. So like a normal person, if you and I go back into camp and they're like, Adam struck down his thousands, Matt struck down his ten thousands, at least where we stand today, I would be so proud of you. I'm like, that's true. Matt is with us. I'm glad. Mm -hmm. But in my sickness or my brokenness I, and my insecurity, I'd be like, well, I was here before Matt. Matt's mm-hmm. only like 29 or something. And, and David's I'm... only killed one person. <laughs> right. Like technically, he killed Goliath. Uh, yeah. Um, but he did go out. I, there is some wars, it says, after the Jonathan thing where he was successful wherever he was sent by yeah. Saul. Because Saul likes a good warrior. <clears throat> but he, Saul gets angry. And this is where um, Saul is starting to notice Maybe the spirit of the Lord isn't really with me. Yeah. And, um, and he's upset about David getting this kind of glory because that's what Saul wants, is I want glory, I want numbers, I want wealth, and I want praise for myself. And the harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre. Mm-hmm. So now the spirit of God in David, David now has been summoned to calm yep. him down. But now it's not working because Saul actually is offended yeah. by He's working with the harmful spirit. Right. And so <clears throat> Saul yes. actually tries to kill him in this instance with a spear right. and hurls the spear while David's playing the harp trying to calm him down. And But David actually, it says it invades him twice. So he tried to kill him twice right. <laughs> in, in either this one instance, because there's another instance that it happens, but... In this instance, he either does it, throws two spears at him, or or it happens two times. I mean, the amazing thing is David is, like, faithful and keeps coming back. Right. David's like, you're the king, man. I've mm-hmm. never thought of 
I mean, I know I've been anointed for something, but I don't really understand what that was all about, perhaps, or Samuel said that, but I'm just happy to be here is what you feel like. Of course, this is also written to uh, substantiate and strengthen David's reign. Right. So it is highlighting purposely, I think, Mm -hmm. the differences between the two men. Yes. And Saul, though, is um, trying to get rid of the Spirit of God now. Yeah. And so he recognizes the Lord's with David. I need him out of my presence. And so he just keeps sending David off. Oh, and this is what happens to us when we're stuck in our sin. Yeah. And the word of God or the spirit of God either brings us to repentance and we're like, Mm -hmm. oh God, sorry, I want to be with that. Or it brings us to rebellion. Mm -hmm. And so Saul is succumbing to the rebellion and saying, I just want to shut up. I don't want to be around the things of God, the people of God. And so then he kind of sets a trap for David. Yeah, so he is supposed to give, he's just supposed to give uh, his oldest daughter, Merib, to David for killing Goliath. Like, that's part of the deal. And so, but he, like, is trying to get David into this agreement. Like, you just have to fight all my wars. You have to do all my battles. You got to be on the front lines. He's thinking, like, if I just keep putting him in the front lines of this war, like, eventually he'll die. And the Philistines will get rid of him, and I don't have to kill him. But David is, like, super humble, and he's like, uh, I can't, who am I to be a son-in-law to the king? So Saul takes that very literally, uh, like, his humility, and instead of being like, I know, but I promise I made this vow, Saul goes, oh, okay, you don't want to be my son-in-law, and gives Merib to someone else. And and I'm going to try and take care of my problem by sending him out to war. Mm -hmm. That's how you can take care of a problem as the king, which we'll see David do in his sinfulness um, later, but... So now the second daughter, yeah. and he was also, Saul was also hoping that his daughter would be an inside thorn to the, mm-hmm. to, uh, the flesh of David, like yeah. kind of ruin him. But uh, his second daughter, we're gonna, it's like M-I-C-H-A-L, Michal, Michal, we call her Michelle. Yeah. We'll say Michelle loved David, and um, she wanted to be married to David. Because yeah. again, his kids are all like, we love this dude. Yeah. So he sends him out. He says, go get 104 skins of the Philistines. Like, it's basically a death mission. Like, yeah. 100 is ridiculous. Like, kill 100 men, figure it out, yeah. and then create the space to basically circumcise them, yeah. use the covenant sign of God in an act of war in an illegitimate way. Again, I just I'm thinking of this now too. Like, of course he would do. Of course he has no understanding of the history mm-hmm. of Levi and Simeon, right? Mm-hmm. And so, go use a sign of God as a curse. As a curse. Mm-hmm. But David does it. He does two hundred. He does two hundred because he goes, above he's, and he goes. He's the extra miler award. Go the second mile, <laughs> and uh, he does that. <clears throat> And, and again, he's like, man, I can't believe I would ever be in the line of the king. David has a humility about him, like saying, are you... Sh- All right. Okay. Here, here it is. It's not what I'm about. I'm not about trying to get your throne or mm-hmm. get power. And now Saul, um, Saul is more scared than ever. Mm-hmm. Everything David did was uh, successful. And it's not till the end of chapter 18, but when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and uh, Michelle... Saul's daughter loved him. Saul was even more afraid of David. Yeah. Um, and so became, kind of made a choice right there. I'm going to be David's enemy continually. And uh, this is, it's like finally dawning on Saul. Oh, 
the Spirit of God, He's able to do things that I was able to do when I was with God. Mm-hmm. And now He's really, instead of repenting and asking God, He doesn't. The times He's supposed to repent, He doesn't. He doesn't. He doubles and, down in and, His rebellion. And what's confusing as we read the next couple days, you'll see times where He fake repents. Mm-hmm. But it's not repentance, it's, it's regret. regret. Yeah, He's regretting because He gets caught. Mm-hmm. And these are the moments where He should be repenting, where there's time to go, Oh, I see what's going on. But instead, he succumbs to his anger, and he takes the the counterfeit spirit over the real spirit of God. Yeah. But David is being blessed. Wow. A lot there. Yeah. Mm. Saul, God bless you. (laughs) All right. Our New Testament reading for today is John chapter 15 through chapter 17, verse 5. Well, we did John 14. I am the vine, you are the branches, and uh, let not your hearts be troubled. And then today... Today is I am the vine. Oh, today is. I'm so sorry. Uh, I I lump all these chapters together because every time I start reading one, I just keep reading. Because, you know, originally they were all put together. They weren't broken up into chapters and verses. And this is one long um, kind of speech. Yes, yes. While at the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. It's one of the. This is John's little like expansion on the Lord's Supper. And and John is giving us a view, a different kind of camera angle of these events, mm-hmm. which is great because he's the disciple that was beloved, and so he's giving really the heart of Jesus here. Yeah. And so the heart of Jesus is, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And Jesus's heart in these passages are, I want to. I'm giving you peace. I'm about to open up the floodgate of the Spirit to you. Mm-hmm. And so here's how it's going to work in 15. Look at, the, look at the vineyards. I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches cannot produce grapes apart from the vine. You can't cut off mm-hmm. a branch and then think that it's going to produce grapes right. for you. Jesus is doing everything he can to say, I mean, he's just saying it. You can do nothing without me. I am the source of life. Mm-hmm. I am the source of your joy, of your love, of your peace, of your victory. I am going, and I'm telling you, I'm going to, this is about abiding with you. I'm going to be with you. But I'm going to physically be leaving you Mm -hmm. so that I can be with you and all your people all the time. Right. I cannot be anchored in the, it was important for me to come physically and be in my human nature, but I'm going and I'm going to, in my divine nature, I can be in all places at all times in you. Mm -hmm. But I must leave. And so I know you're going to be troubled and I know you're going to be scared, but don't. I want you to have peace. Yeah, we get <clears throat> in chapter 15, too. This is where he says, uh, you are no longer my servants, but you are my friends. We are now best friends forever. Right. This is the Jonathan mm-hmm. and David thing. I mean, yeah. He says, this is my command. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm telling you the command. Love one another as I've loved you. Yeah. So I'm going to equip you to love. And here's how. The same way Jonathan and David made a covenant to be best friends, you're not going to be servants anymore. You're not just servants, but you're my friends. That means you know what's going on. You're going to know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I've chosen you to bear fruit. Mm -hmm. I've chosen you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And that's the fruit. The fruit is, well, the the place of it is abiding in Christ. Being, just being with him. In a relationship with him. You want to be successful as a Christian? Be with God. That's it. 
and he will produce the fruit because he's the vine and the fruit will come. You never hear a tree, an apple tree groaning, Mm -hmm. you know, or you have an orchard and like, oh, every year this time, all the orchards like, (laughs) like, what is that noise? Oh, it only goes for two weeks while they produce apples. Yeah. Yet that's how we live, right? Like I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard to do what's right. It's like, no, no, no. Abide with me. Just plug in. Be with me. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to, like, and I'll forgive you, and I will, slow, I will produce the fruit in mm-hmm. due season. And that fruit, you'll know it's fruit. You know why? Because you'll be able to love me and love others. Yeah. And you have never been able to do that on your own. Mm-hmm. You can't do it on your own. Yet we just want to believe that we can. Yeah, and then he kind of warns them, like... Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, by the way. Uh, the world has hated me, mm-hmm. so because you're with me, they're going to hate you. Yes. Uh, just... FYI. Just be ready for that. But <clears throat> the helper will come, the spirit of God will come, and he will comfort you and teach you and guide you in everything you need to do. Yeah. Oh, man. And the helper, the advocate, the one who's going mm-hmm. to speak my words to you. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit yeah. of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, <clears throat> and you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, th- and he says, I've, I'm saying all these things to keep you from falling away. Yeah. Because you're going to be put out of the synagogues. You're going to, people are going to push you out of the religious scene. You're going to feel like atheists yeah. because you believe in me. Mm-hmm. But I want to encourage you. You're not falling away. In fact, you're being linked and connected to me as friends, as children, uh, as a spouse, like a bond that I will never break. Mm-hmm. And people will think they're doing good when they, they hurt you. Um, but I, I'm going to send the Spirit to remind you and to guide you. And that's why it's so important that we walk in the Spirit because mm-hmm. when we look at, it's just like when Saul or Samuel looks at those people, we'll, every, the world will look on the outside, Yeah. but we are the people whose hearts have been made alive by Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in the, the back end of chapter 16, I mean, he tells you more and more, he's saying, here's what the Spirit's going to do. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I do like how he... He's like, I have a lot of things that I still want to talk to you about and tell you, but you can't hear them right now. Right. So the spirit of truth will come, and he will tell you and give you all the words and tell you all the truth that I want to tell you. Because you I, because in my human nature, I need to go away now. I yeah. need to go back to my infinite nature. But in my infinite nature, as soon as I'm released from this human nature, and they mix on earth, like mm-hmm. we see little bits of his, his um, divine. divine nature. Yeah. But he's saying, I'm going to flip it where I'm going to be totally in my divine nature and, I, and that's how I can still be with you and, and, um, and that's why I must go. So you'll be sad, but then your joy will be made complete. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see me no longer, but I'm going because the ruler, I've done my work here. I'm judging the ruler of the world. Mm-hmm. I still have many things to say, but the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. Mm-hmm. And this is where he's going to glorify, he's going to speak, he's going to say all the words that Christ has. And then Jesus reminds us, because I'm in the Father, and I'm the Father in one, and then those of you who are in me are in the Father. Father yeah. And I, I don't know if it was, I'm not exactly sure where, or maybe it was already in this passage, but there's a, a moment where, oh no, that's coming up in the end of 16. I don't know, yeah. about um, Jesus says, you don't, I don't need to ask God for you. He kind of clarifies. He says in verse, um, in verse 26, 
Um, in that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Yeah, I, I mean, like, do you I like get, that. That was huge <clears throat> for me because... Mm-hmm. It's easy to think like, oh, we asked Jesus to ask the Father. Like, hey, Matt, I want to use your dad's boat. Can you yeah. ask your dad for me? And you're saying, no, you have a direct access to God, the Father, the God mm-hmm. that would consume you to get close to, you now have access to because of me. So you just say, hey, I'm friends with Jesus. And God's like, I hear you. Yeah. You're friends with my son? Come on in. Yeah. Which is great because Jesus intercedes for us and he helps us. But what Jesus has been saying through these passages is ask in my name mm-hmm. and you will get it. Yeah. So his disciples are like, oh, now we kind of get it. And, he's like, <laughs> and Jesus at the end of 16 says, oh, you now believe? Great. The hour is coming where you will be scattered. So here's the bad news. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys believe. And, he, I, and Jesus is so sincere. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not messing with them. He says, look, because you're going to be scattered mm-hmm. and you're going to leave me alone. Yeah. But he goes, but don't worry, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. And that's what we're even saying in the Old Testament. Like the place, the safest place on earth is to have God be with you. Mm-hmm. No matter things are going bad or good, it doesn't matter. The safest, that doesn't matter. What matters is, is God with you or not? And then he ends <clears throat> this section with, I'm saying all this that you might have peace. And a very comforting verse in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Powerful line there, because <clears throat> I start to believe, I, I seriously, it's like a default in our human nature. We start to believe that as we follow God, we will have no tribulation. Yes. At least I do. And so whenever you face a car accident, a flat tire, a sickness, you're like, God, where are you? I thought, uh-huh. I thought this wasn't supposed to happen. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I told you in this world you'll have tribulation, but you get to have peace because you're with the one who's overcome the world. And so the promise for us is we overcome the brokenness of this world. We can walk through it. We walk through it because we're with the God of all creation and the God who has walked through it and now imparted his spirit to us. And then uh, I think we'll just cover all of the priestly prayer on the next one. Yeah, I think so. Jesus then will give a heartfelt prayer Beautiful prayer as their high priest. I just read it. In chapter 17. But uh, Lord, we invite you into everything today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's the, uh, I think that's good for the New Testament today. Today I'm going to read Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. just been fed by ravens go in peace serve the lord and we will talk to you next time